1: Chris and I talking just before this episode and Chris asked me what the fan base was like. I said it's almost more like relief than joy, but Tennessee does beat Florida and the Vols are able to break that streak that dates back to 2016. Hit the like and subscribe button, please share because Chris Landry of Landry Football will give you more insight into the game than you can possibly imagine. Go to LandryFootball.com. Again, like, subscribe, and share. So, Chris, Tennessee able to escape with a victory. Fantastic news for the Vols. We can get in the nitty-gritty of how they didn't finish like they would like to and almost let that slip away. But just in terms of a program-building win, what does it mean?
0: I think it means a lot. I mean, I think that the stage was good. It was a unique weekend where uh, it was the center of college football. I mean, they, it was maybe the biggest game. I mean, you could debate it around the country, but it certainly was the premier game in the SEC. Uh, I mean, a and arkansas I thought, was was really good. But, the, but basically, it put the Vols – on the big stage in the big moment in their atmosphere at home um it, it, it appeared very exciting and a uh, great atmosphere and excitement so it was, a, it was a way to showcase the program and always good to get a win and uh, you win there and you, you go to four and zero, and there's a lot of excitement You know, it's always interesting, though, the the people that follow and study the game closely and the ones that just follow it. Now you're getting a lot of the national folks saying, well, how high should Tennessee be? Are they number three in the SEC? Are they top 10? And all that stuff is fine. And to me, it doesn't mean a whole lot. But all that stuff builds momentum. I think the recruiting atmosphere, you asked that a bunch. I think that's good. We talked about it last week. You know, when you have a big game and you play well, and there's a lot of excitement, or and you win, and there's a lot of buzz, it helps in recruiting, and I think it does. A program that's in, you know, uh, playing an exciting brand of ball and the win, so big picture, it's good, and uh, you just go from there. And uh, I, I think it's uh, good to, to beat Florida, which has not happened uh, very often with the Tennessee.
1: No, it hasn't. Um, let's talk about some uh, Florida decisions that I've I found uh, very interesting and aggressive. And I want to see what you thought from a coach's perspective. This edition of Chalk Talk brought to you by The Mattress Place. The Mattress Place is so close to downtown. It is right there. Uh, on Chapman Highway, sometimes you think that's far away, but it's not. It's incredibly close, couple of miles, and you can save thirty to seventy percent off at a business that has over two hundred and twenty-five five-star Google reviews. That's absolutely unbelievable. Being in in the digital marketing field, I can tell you those aren't easy to get. That shows that they've been doing a great job for a long time. The mattress place, check them out. So, Chris. Uh, what did you think of Billy Napier's approach and being as aggressive as he was? Did you like it?
0: Yeah, I did. Now, I'm not talking about the going for the too late. Okay. That doesn't really.
1: I didn't get that at I, all. I,
0: I, I don't. I don't. I don't get that uh, at all either. I don't get it even if they made it. I didn't think it was that beneficial. I just. But the game plan was outstanding. The aggressive nature was outstanding. Look, what did we say last week? For Florida's path to victory is to control the football on offense, to A, keep Tennessee's offense off the field as much as possible, and that breaks a, an offensive team rhythm. And so, you know, when Tennessee got it, you, know, you, you could see trying to get a rhythm was, you know, was a little bit, it's kind of like stretching before you exercise. It was like it couldn't get stretched and loosened, and, and so I thought it was a great game plan by Florida, and they executed it well because Tennessee's defense couldn't get enough stops and couldn't play well enough to get off the field to get the ball back to the offense. And so, I mean, it was long drives. Uh, it was having overplay the run. That opened up things, you know. I hear this a lot. Well, Anthony Richardson played better. He played better because, you know, the defense didn't play as well. They had more spacing and coverage. So they had really good success in him being able to throw it uh, off the fact that uh, Tennessee's defense had some real issues in the game. Look, I thought he was a great game plan. I think going forward <laughs> on fourth down was a lot to do with, look, Three points are not going to get it done, and we don't want to give the ball back to that offense. We'd like to keep it because if you convert it, it's another four series. If, if you don't, you're putting that team's offense back on the field, which they knew is very good, very electric, and you don't want them to get in the rhythm. So you just basically wanted to make them sit, stay, you know, have to get warmed up every time. I mean, it's just – I thought it was a really well-executed game plan. In fact, I thought they executed what they needed to do even better than what Tennessee did, which further emphasizes how much better I thought Tennessee was going into this game because I think Florida is very, very limited right now as a team, and I thought they had a good game plan. Again, I wouldn't have gone for it um, for two either at the end, and I think there's some decision might have question, but going for it, I understood it, but executing it was the biggest thing, and they did it pretty effectively, Dave.
1: And Chris, you and I were talking earlier as well. You said Hendon Hooker graded out the highest on Tennessee's entire team. So this isn't a situation where he's just throwing to bare wide open guys. This is he he played really, really well grading wise.
0: What well, he did, but now you—you know—certainly he's aided in the grade as reflective of the offense and getting open and scheming guys open. They did that very well. But Brew McCoy played well. I thought Keaton played very well in, in Tillman's absence. We got to remind folks Cedric Tillman, the most polished receiver, not even playing. I know Tennessee fans know that, but I remind folks nationally about that. That may not be as familiar. Yeah, I thought he played well. He did what he needed to do. Look, when you grade a player, you have to grade him and what they ask him to do. It's not grading him, meaning as a pro prospect. It's grading him on how he executed what Tennessee's asked him to do, and he did it very, very well. I thought he moved the offense very well. And even considering the fact that it was tough to get a rhythm going offensively because of what we just talked about, Florida keeping the ball away from the offense.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder, Chris, your your thoughts on if if it's sustainable with Hooker because now he's getting a lot of uh, talk about being a Heisman candidate, and Heisman candidate's a very loose term. There are probably 20 Heisman candidates, and you don't want win one in September. We know that, but... As far as his play, and considering that uh, Tennessee does have to play Alabama and Georgia, do you think he remains in that conversation down the line as as one of the top players in college football, even though there's probably going to be a couple of significant losses on the schedule?
0: Well, I think you just answered it, really. I mean, he's in that large-range conversation now of, one of many players that are having good years. But as you mentioned, that gets weeded out. And look, it's going to come down to this. Let's just call it what it is. If he continues to play well, and he plays very well against Alabama and Georgia, even if they don't beat those teams, but he he plays great. I mean, puts up great numbers. Then, yeah, he could be in that conversation, or excuse me, he can stay in that conversation. If he doesn't, then yeah. you know how that is. I mean, it's just – it really is about what you do in November. It's its that kind of award. I, I've seen it. I don't know if folks will remember. Do you remember the September that Jalen Hurts had in Oklahoma? Yes. I mean, it was like – it was like, give this guy the Heisman now. Let's not – and he wasn't even invited. Things – happen And we know that this game was big. He played well in this game. It's going to be about what he does on the road at LSU. And then, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, the rest of the season is going to determine it. The games in November are the ones folks remember.
1: Mm, that's that's true. Let me ask you this. If you were to, so the Heisman Trophy, the definition and I, I do vote for this and I struggle every year because I try to do my homework on it and, and um, I try not to be limited to just quarterbacks or ball carriers or offensive players. And, but, but it's defined as the most outstanding player in college football, which could mean a kajillion different things. Somebody could read that as the guy who gave back the most to his community if they wanted to. I mean, it's that wide open. So if you had to start a college football team tomorrow, and you only had one season with him based off what you've seen in September, who would that player be?
0: If I picked any player in the country, um, I would go with a quarterback.
1: You almost have to, don't you?
0: Um, And I mean, there there may be players that are as good or better. I would go with a quarterback I I would probably go with CJ Stroud. Okay. Um, I think. I think you know. Right now, um, and he's just. I mean, it, it, there's a bunch. He's playing a little bit better than Bryce Young. He's got more veteran receiving core. Ohio State's got the best receiving core in the country, but he's really, really good. Um, if I were looking though at quarterbacks, just to expand this. To not you know. Now that I answered that question, I would say that um, that the guy that's played great football that's not getting as much attention, and it is the reason for their success is Jalen Daniels, not Jaden Daniels. Jalen Daniels, the quarterback at Kansas, he's been phenomenal, and it continues to be. Now, it's not who I would pick. But, I mean, you know about Hooker, you know about Stetson Bennett, you know about Bryce Young of the quarterbacks, and there are others. Uh, DJ, uh, you played better at, uh, at Clemson this week. Um, I think Michael Penix out at Washington is having a phenomenal year, just, just to get in to expand the quarterback conversation. But uh, I'd probably go with C.J. Stroud um, or Bryce Young, but I'd put him in that order and with a little bit more size, maybe C.J.
1: So now we know the target for Hendon Hooker. We'll see if he can reach it, and we'll see if he can end up in, in New York City. I'm rooting for that because uh, – The guy's I, got a
0: great last name. Let's just call yeah, him, he him. He does.
1: He does. And well, I've never been to New York, and I've already decided that I'm going to go if he's in that ceremony. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It, it should be interesting. A lot of talk now. Should be a lot of talk about the Mattress Place, and there is because they have 225 five-star reviews on Google. They are awesome. They take pride in what they do, 30 to 70% off. No gimmicks, just a fantastic product at a fantastic price. That's the Mattress Place. This has been a presentation of Off the Hoke Sports.